But at the end of the day, it is on the owners of the brand and the actual decision makers at that brand to be able to decide on what is right for them to stick out. Because, you know, for example, if I'm a funeral home, I'm not like doing a partnership with Megan the Stallion. Welcome to the Ecom Chats Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Mike Martis, Director of Marketing at Finch. And I'm Nevin Zavell, e-commerce product specialist at Finch. And this is your podcast where we wind down the week, crack open a cold drink of your choice, and talk some e-commerce shop leading into the weekend. Yeah, we're in the middle of a pretty awesome kind of mini-series right now. Arc, I guess you can call it. I don't know. Do podcasts have arcs? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Kind of on the different stages of the customer buying journey. And this is one that I think is... Kind of one of the, I mean, it's obviously the first one to talk about because it's the first stage in the funnel, but wanted to kind of start talking about the awareness phase in marketing and the customer journey. And Mike, I know that you have been running in the marketing space for a while on the B2B side. And how would you define it? You know, what's cool about the customer journey map is it is really, it, it does translate across different types of marketing, right? So this is a conversation we've been having internally about how do we position ourselves to talk this, to speak the same language as our, not only our clients, but maybe the marketing people that work there, the agencies we partner with or the providers that we partner with. I think everyone, this is kind of a common touch point, right? That, that people can align around. So you've got the, we went over the previous episode. If you haven't listened, go take a listen. We define, we lay out what the customer journey is, all five phases of the customer journey, why they're important, uh, a little bit of a high level overview. We're going to continue this series digging into each phase, right? And the first one being awareness here and the customer journey in in e-commerce or D2C or B2B, whatever space you're in, awareness really at at a high level means you need people to be aware of you, right? Like you have a product or a service that people need. They're not sure that you're out there or what you do, right? So the customers have a problem. They're looking for an answer. They're just becoming aware of like the kind of the existence of your company and their own problem, right? And you can actually kind of get get in front of this a little bit and do some market education. That's kind of pre-awareness marketing stuff, right? Which isn't an official part of the customer journey, but there is like some pre-awareness stuff you can do, which is you've identified a problem in the market that hasn't been really widely identified yet or talked about. And so you need to educate people that, hey, you do have this problem, right? That's a little bit more difficult. But in general, when we're talking about e-commerce or D2C, this happens quite a bit because people create new products with new features and new materials and all this stuff. People probably don't know that they want that thing, right? Because they don't know it exists. So it's very important that your messaging is on point about what what makes your product different from anything else in the space? What makes it stand out? And you do that through all kinds of mechanisms that we'll talk about in a minute. But that's that's essentially what it is. Like I have a product, you have a need that that product fulfills. How do we meet in the middle somewhere so that we can know each other exist? Yeah. And I think, you know, like the majority of brands out there are not an Apple. They're not a Coca-Cola where that brand recognition is already sort of a given. So the education piece and being able to not just, you know, I think the common misconception in like awareness marketing is that awareness marketing is just about trying to capture attention span, right? And just about trying to like get a name and a head. But in actuality, 
there that education component that you talked about is is incredibly important. You know, when we're talking about building brand awareness, it's also about being able to spread that brand story and that brand messaging. So I come from prior to my my work here at Finch, did a lot of work in brand development for a couple different industries. And what's really, really important is that once you have that message, that brand story that you've put so much time into developing, which is go, it's what sets your brand apart. It's very important that it is a good balance of broadcasting that message, but also at the same time, broadcasting in a way that is able to deliver that entire story and that message. It's tough because it can be a very, very ethereal concept, right? Like broadcasting a brand story, like it's people aren't psychic, but when it comes down to the the campaigns that you're using to generate awareness and the campaigns that you're using to kind of generate demand and to kind of generate interest in your brand and to educate your that people exist and that this is a problem that exists, that question becomes a very, very it becomes a lot easier said than done because it is a very, very strong it you have to strike a very, very fine balance between delivering a full and succinct message while at the same time like the average attention span is like in nanoseconds at this point so that's where that's where the real challenge of awareness phase marketing comes in it's why i have so much more respect for brand development after setting a moment in their shoes because it's a very very tough it's a very very tough challenge to solve it is and you know you talk about being in brand marketing brand uh, brand marketing i mean that's a big part of the awareness phase. Like all of your brand marketing is going to happen in the awareness phase. Maybe some in the consideration phase leaks in, but most of your brand marketing is going to be there. And the pitfall in brand and in, in the awareness phase is you can really, really easily overspend at this point if you don't understand who your target market is. So if you don't have the parameters set around who needs to see this message, because you don't want to go too broad. If you go too broad, that's going to mess up the downstream stuff that you do to capitalize on the awareness phase. So one way to think about the awareness phase is to put it in context of the rest of the market of the customer journey. What you're doing here is building an audience that you're going to then try to push into consideration to get them to dig a little deeper into your product, learn a little bit more, go to your website, right? Now they're on your website. They're cookied. You can't, they're first party cookie for now. You can remark <laughs> for, for now, for now, well, you know, you know, hold, hold, you know, hold that thought, but you know, watch this space for more on that. But you can then start to build a cohort of people actually interested in. So a percentage of that, of that awareness phase will move into the consideration phase. Those are going to be the next ones that you think about. Now, if you think about that kind of zoom out, if you spend way too much money in awareness, a that's going to suck away funds, your, your overall ad spend budget that you have. So you have less to spend to try to convert the people who actually show interest. Plus you're going to muddy up that data set with a bunch of, people who probably aren't aren't interested in your product so think about look kind of what you want to do with this audience before you start to build it because that's going to help you set the parameters set the targeting techniques that's why you want to do persona exercises before you ever do any of this stuff really understand who your buyer is what are they interested in where do they hang out online what do they do? Are there forums where they talk about products that are that are similar to yours? You know, we've had some interesting success for on the awareness side, specifically on Reddit. 
because Reddit has hyper specific forums. It is absolutely. It's the hyper fixation capital of the internet. <laughs> it super is. And so, but because of that, because they've built a site that does that, if you advertise on Reddit, let's say you're selling, I mean, I know, Nevin, I know you love the Stanley Cup thing, right? And uh, I sent you a tweet the other day, about, or I sent you a, yeah, a tweet the other day about it. It's really funny. I had my manager all the way out in Turkey ask me, oh, in, in Germany now, but um, I was in Turkey and my friend just gave me this Stanley Cup and I lost a part of it. Asking like, you're from Utah, you know the Stanley Cups, how do I right. fix this? You get it, you get it. it and that, like, you want to talk about great brand awareness, that's it. Like, if that's someone, I could have someone all the way like, across the Atlantic Ocean telling me about, like, how do I fix my Stanley Cup? You know, yeah, you exactly. know you've done something think, right. Uh, yeah, think about the market that the Stanley Cup is in. You're complete competing against Yeti and you know all of these other, you know, big like double walled insulated cup makers, right? And and this market is crazy saturated with big name players that have taken huge chunks of it. And Stanley's no small you know company or anything. But at the end of the day, if you do have a product like that, let's say you make a competing product, if you find some Reddit forums where people are especially ones that are on the negative side where people are talking shit about the Stanley cups and you can advertise there as their competitor. Now we're, now we're cooking with now, now we're getting super. That's what I'm talking about. But when I talk about targeting your brand awareness, target targeting your awareness phase, you can find those little niches. And once they pick up on those things, you know, it can, it can go very fast. So definitely have the rest of your marketing ecosystem ready for that before you just launch a big branding campaign because you don't want to build a big audience and then just have them sit there and do nothing with it right and i know that we're kind of moving in order down the line but i feel like awareness generation can only go into a sustainable foundation under it but as yeah. complex as awareness gen is it's honestly one of my favorite parts of the marketing funnel simply because it's the least formulaic yeah, you can get super creative, right? It really does allow you to have the chance to be incredibly creative. Like, who would have thought that the Pop-Tarts, Matt, like the edible Pop-Tarts sacrifice would have gained the like the virality that it did? Like, if I went back in time and right, showed that yeah. to a 2005 Nevin, he would have an aneurysm. But it really allows you to, and obviously different budgets for different people, but I think it was something that we even touched back on in, in the Floxy interviews, which if you haven't gone back and listened to it, it's one of the best episodes being able to stand out in a part of the crowd does require creativity. It is not, yeah. you can't, it's hard to be cookie cutter, but the moment that you are creative and the moment that you do get that spark and you're able to drive that audience into a well-maintained lower to mid funnel campaign, you're off to the races and you now have some, uh, you now have uh, some momentum that you can then snowball into a larger and larger brand. That's how brands like Stanley's become these, global mega sensations overnight they were yeah. smart with their targeting i we have i know this is like the same story we told on last week's episode but they were smart with their marketing they were smart with their targeting and now people are lining up outside of targets like it's black friday just to get one i'll give you uh, another pop culture here example kind of right in the zeitgeist right now of the opposite of this of, of a branding campaign going pretty badly and this is this is a direct result i'm uh, i'm gonna say of having a big branding campaign without having a plan for what to do with all of the, of, of the audience that you create with that branding campaign. Solo stoves hired Snoop Dogg 
to do this viral advertising, right? And if you don't know what solar stoves are and you haven't somehow, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard of this story, you're a unicorn. I have no idea how you haven't heard of it, but Snoop Dogg, essentially he, he did a commercial where he announced kind of before the ad came out, he, he was quitting smoke, right? I'm going to quit smoke. Right. And then the ad came, everybody's like, Oh my God, Snoop Dogg's not smoking weed anymore. And then the ad came out and it was an ad for a fire pit, like an outdoor fire pit that basically is disperses the smoke from the fire so that you don't get smoke blowing in your face while you're sitting around the fire. Now that everybody's saying, and then their CEO, they fired their CEO not long after that saying it was a big swing and miss. I'll, I'll say, I'm going to caveat this with a few things. You never know actually the actual reasons why why CEOs and C level people get fired. This could be a coincidence, right? That that he just happened to get fired after this, but they probably spent a lot of money on this. Well, they definitely spent a lot of money on this campaign, right? I don't think he was fired because the campaign failed. I think the the campaign did exactly what it was designed to do. It gained crazy amounts of eyeballs. It got brand awareness through the roof. I think Solo Stove just wasn't ready for the follow-up phase of converting what is more than likely, this isn't a Stanley cup where you pay 40 bucks or whatever it is for, for a cup. And then it gets shipped to your house the next day. This is a what $400 luxury fire pit item, right? That's going to take a consideration phase. It's going to take a lot, a lot of uh, comparison shopping. People may need to save money for it. They may not see the results of that campaign for another few months. And they kind of had a knee-jerk reaction and fired their CEO over it. Now that's that's speculation. I'm, look, don't don't come at me, solo stove. Like, <laughs> on, and on well, and on paper, the thing is that that's a great awareness campaign. That one in particular, I kind of slice and dice the ethics a little bit because like everyone thought that he was going to come out with like an anti-smoking. Right. Smoking's bad. Don't do it. Only people who don't know Snoop Dogg thought that. Yeah. Come on. But like, you know, it was like, hey, <laughs> moving to everyone thought it was going to be like an edibles line or kind of moving people away from, you know, smoking, which is which is harmful. And then it turned into a, to a smokeless stove. Don't smoke, kids. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. The <laughs> you put the bubbler sound effect in. I'm going to hey and you put the bubbler you're, sound effect. in. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, but like one of the big dangers of a lot of these like hyper like these posts that are designed to go viral is that you can't necessarily control where they go. And that is a risk that every brand is going to take when they're launching a campaign, especially one that is designed on a site like Twitter or Facebook or anything that has that potential to go mass viral very quickly, is that the moment that it starts to take off is you lose a lot of control over that brand sentiment, especially on Twitter right now, which is kind of the Wild West after the you know the changes it can be very, very hard to control where your where the direction is that you're going. But you have to make sure that you have a robust enough network under it to be able to catch that traffic and then convert it. So if they didn't have that, and that wasn't because I never actually saw like a follow up. I don't think I've gotten so much as a remarketing ad from Solo right. after, you know, visiting their site to see what the Snoop Dogg stuff was about. If you don't have that net, to catch your clients, you're going to struggle. And that's where you're going to start seeing that, you know, a massive partnership like that can turn into wasted Aspen very quickly. And that's kind of the danger of overinvesting in awareness is that yeah. you can't catch all of it. Right, exactly. Nevin, we've got to come up with a solution to this Twitter thing. It's a Twitter or X. I'm going to propose a solution here. What if we call it Twixer? No, I'm calling it Twitter. <laughs> 
I go to www.twitter.com and it takes me to the Twitter. Okay, it's Twitter. Well, it, not only that, not only that, Nevin. If you type in x.com into your browser, it will redirect you to Twitter. Okay, then it's Twitter. <laughs> then it's Twitter. Okay, it's settled. It's Twitter. I'm sorry. I'm not. I I am. All I'm right, not bringing fine. my personal beast with the platform into it. I. Yeah. I'm addicted. come at us. Come I'm at us, a, Elon. Come I'm, at us. Don't. No, I don't want that. I don't, <laughs> no, don't, smoke. don't. I'm addicted Please to Twitter. Don't. It's we can't handle it. We're too small for that. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to deal with the blue checks. Yeah, if you if you don't have a foundation, like we just said, if you don't have a foundation to deal with the amount of traffic, a huge branding campaign, especially if you hire a celebrity or one of the bigger name influencers in your space, you can generate a crazy amount of traffic and it's only going to muddy up your data because you're going to get a bunch of people that come to your website and you have no plan of what to do with them. Right. And so you, you got to have that plan. That needs to be a part of the strategy, but let's pivot a little bit and talk just a bit about kind of what are the parts, kind of the marketing parts that fit into this awareness phase as we talk about it. I think yeah. we've got some listed out here. I'll just tick down the list. I, the first one we have is creative. I think we talk about creative a lot. We've had Floxy. We have a great creative partner in Floxy. We have a few episodes and the playlist. Go back to season one and check out George and Sam. They're they're from Floxy. They're brothers that who run Floxy together. Very cool stuff. But creative has become super important and in every phase. By the way, this isn't the creative is going. We'll talk about creative in every phase of this, except for potentially the latter two. But creative is super important especially at the awareness phase because yeah. that that at the end of the day creative is what's going to make you stand out it doesn't matter whether that's going to be in video format in banner format print wherever during the day you're completely bombarded by advertisements when you're driving down the highway you're getting pummeled by billboards trying to watch a football game you're watching a commercial hour with a football break there is simply so much content overload that yeah, it's your easy audience... to develop like ad blinders right like i when i scroll the internet when i drive down the street like i i unless i actively make a decision to look at what ads are showing up i kind of don't all i hardly ever actually ingest what they are right unless there's something about them that makes me look at them that's what we mean by standing out right and there are so many different ways we're not here to prescribe to you how how to do that necessarily but that it's super important because of how just how saturated everything is with advertising now for some of the more advanced marketers out there who are listening to this it's probably not going to come as this is not going to come as a surprise that like no. creative and being able to grab people's attention and grab something that's you know sticks out from the crowd is the key to the overall just burnout uh, of advertising that that the average consumer is going to have by the time they hit like 2 p.m but the key here is like there's not necessarily like a gimmick that is going to like prescribe to fix this problem and the thing is that when you're building this and this is why it's important to have a really strong creative team on file or to have like to actually plan out your creative and brand strategy is that it is your ability to stand out is going to be a very very personal decision for your brand based on your message on your story and it's going to be very very specific to you there's a million and one agencies who are going to think in a room and are going to can probably give you something great. But at the end of the day, it is on the owners of the brand and the actual decision makers at that brand to be able to decide on what is right for them to stick out. Because, you know, for example, if I'm a funeral home, I'm not like doing a partnership with Megan the stallion, you know, I'm not, you know, <laughs> hold on like, now. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Interested. I would use but that like, funeral home, Nevin. 
I, I guess. <laughs> but like, you need to be sensitive to your own needs as a brand. But at the same time, is that the attention spans, especially in digital, are so low that you do need to really think outside the box and just like a standard lifestyle creative with your brand colors and a logo isn't going to have the same impact as something that's actually designed to get people's attention. But at the same time, it can't be something that's like too gimmicky or simple or you lose the ability to sell your brand. So it, it is, it's a balancing act. <laughs> it, I mean, digital marketing is difficult, period. And it's because it's, there are so many people doing it. I mean, the bar for entry has never been lower for digital marketing, right? Like anybody can spin up a Pmax campaign. Just, you know, go to a an AI that can generate you some ad creative, right? With some prompts, generate a set of ad creative, throw it into Pmax. You got a campaign, put some budget in it. You got a campaign, you know, do some targeting a little bit. You got a campaign going. The lift is not very heavy, right? Like social, social can get a little bit crazy. Like I, I really dislike Facebook. I, I dislike Meta's whole setup in there, <laughs> but it can get wild. Doesn't. But but in general, anybody, you know, it doesn't take a lot of expertise to do this stuff. So what I, the one piece of advice that I would give you along with, you know, have a plan, know who your brand is, have a unique point of view, have a unique perspective, and then don't be afraid to show it. So be brave. That's my one, one point of that I want to make here. When you're doing creative, you look at something, you're like, oh, that's so stupid. There's no way I would use that. Pause for a second and think about, could this actually work? And if, if it seems, if it seems like a weird direction for your brand, you know, it might be, but assumptions and marketing always lead to bad outcomes test it right be brave test it against a more vanilla version see which one see which one performs better right you may you may be surprised in fact i promise you eventually you will be surprised by the outcomes of these tests but that's enough on creative we've talked about i mean we've had so many episodes on creative <laughs> we'll we'll talk about creative in pretty much every episode but i as the technical guy which is very funny because apparently nevin guy is now just like a stereotype of like someone in my position because i was uh, talking with a client and i was like yeah every agency has like the founder with the beard and like a piercing or so the nevin guy and the designer and i'm like wait what the hell do you mean the nevin guy <laughs> i don't know as the nevin guy i want to kind of talk about some of the mechanics on you know because not everyone's going to be able to you know do a twitter promo with snoop dogg or mr beast but they're when you're talking about like actual mechanics on how to put the rubber to the road and you've mm -hmm. gotten that creative strategy and you want to figure out that second half of the equation, which is broadcasting that message, you know, there's a couple major channels that you can really attack there. Mess it up, buddy. First one, I know we're kind of moving out of order on your, mm -hmm. on your list here, but the, the first one I want to talk, talk, talk about is DSP and DSP in my opinion is the most flexible and the most powerful tool. I'm a strong believer that DSP, <laughs> it might just be because like the super smart guys at my company work in the DSP department, but like the ability of what you're able to layer on and the data that you're able to buy with DSP and the sheer creativity and manual nature of how that creative is sized and distributed on DSP, in my opinion, makes it one of the best awareness generation tools in the arsenal, just simply because you're able to buy data sets, you're able to test data sets. And once you have a marketing persona, you can buy the component pieces of that marketing persona, put it into an audience, and then test different sets of creative on that audience to see what's you know appealing. And there's so many people out there that you can target with a DSP. 
that it's it's fantastic. So it's like for me, that's like the gold standard of how you're gonna you know without jumping into the crazy stuff like pop tart sacrifices and you know celeb endorsements. That's in my opinion yeah. the best way to send that out. So you know Trade Desk does a really good job. When we're talking about when we're talking about awareness, you're with the metric you're talking about really high level is reach, right? How yeah. many people are you getting from getting in front of within your segment? There is, I don't think there's any debate here. DSP is the best at this yeah. because it can follow these 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 cohorts, the segments that you create for to target, and follow them all over the place. And it's not just on the internet. I mean, we run campaigns for you know digital out of home, right? Where you'll see a, a digital billboard on a sidewalk outside of a restaurant that could have an ad on it, right? And if you've ever been to Vegas, Vegas is lousy with with out of home digital. Still trying to get a DSP placement on the sphere, but. It's been slow going. Nobody <laughs> wants, none of my clients want to sign on. It's a way expense. I don't know if we work with any brands that could afford that. We'll find one. We'll find it. We'll find it. Hey, if you're listening and you want to, you want to advertise. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see. If you're out there listening and you want to run some, <laughs> some crazy ads on the, on the sphere in Vegas, let us know. But no, DSP is definitely, it's so dynamic. It's so flexible. You know, you upload a really cohesive set of of creative which can be display ads you could be text ads it could be video ads that go on youtube and other video platforms it could be just the entire array of advertised digital advertising you can run it all out of the same campaign and then compare the the results and tweak the budgets accordingly it's just it's too good you know it's it's really good and it is the gold standard like for a reason as far as reach goes you can't get any better than that and it's interesting but, too, because there's so many other platforms out there that have a massive audience. Like we could talk about like TikTok and paid social. I might make a hot take here. Do it. Get spicy. TikTok <laughs> for me is starting. I don't think it's overrated yet, but I think we're starting to approach that point where it's starting to plateau its effectiveness a little bit because it does have massive reach and, and regulatory issues aside about TikTok, you know, they're saying they're going to ban it for however long and they haven't yet but like for me ever since they announced the tiktok shop a lot of this is anecdotal for me and people who i've talked to in the industry but tiktok is honestly starting when a product appears on tiktok for me it does make it feel a little bit cheaper and that can be fine for a lot of different brands it might just be my own algorithm but it does start to feel like it's starting to sour like there's obviously like social media platforms that don't work like twitter for advertising and there's ones that work in my opinion, decently well, even after iOS updates like Meta. TikTok is one that I still feel like is trying to find its home. And for me, mm -hmm. and this might be just because I'm an old curmudgeon, if I'm launching a video awareness campaign, I would mm -hmm. probably move towards YouTube or YouTube Shorts just because I have a little bit yep. more faith in their targeting and I have a little bit more faith in their their user base and size and the flexibility that's going to provide. It, it might be a completely off base, but I just feel like if you're going to do something, do something on Reels or do something on YouTube first and then expand out into TikTok. When it started, it was like you were an idiot not to get on TikTok. But now it's yeah. it feels like it's starting to slow down. It feels like it's starting to plateau a little bit. I don't necessarily know if we've reached the kind of peak but I'm starting to shy away from it a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't completely disagree with you, but I will say that I've seen I've seen brands have success, quite a bit of success on TikTok. It just a lot of times depends on what you're like you said, what you're selling, who yeah. you, and what you're selling is going to dictate your target audience. If if you're selling a product that is a trendy product that's 
gaining popularity with a younger audience and your price point is a selling point as in one of you know the, the way that you sell this product is that it's cheaper than other products you're going to crush it on you're going to crush it on TikTok but to your point if you're selling a, a more luxury product if you're selling I don't know Stanley cups or if you're selling solo stoves TikTok might not be the you know if you have a longer sales cycle where where there is a real consideration phase TikTok's going to be tough right TikTok is a one touch checkout Think of it. Think of it as like a streamlined Amazon Prime feed, right? Whenever you see an ad, like they want you to buy it right there. Like yeah. they don't want you to have to go to the website and look at a bunch of stuff. They just want you to see a video and be like, "I want that," and buy it right there. And that happens a lot, right? But I did see some stuff on on Twitter today about some of the some of the D 2 C personas I followed. Just kind of some chatter around tiktok shop is being flooded with cheap products yeah. so to your point nevin if you're in there with those cheap products you might by association may be starting to lump yourself in with some of those i think that's probably what you're feeling i think that's it and i think it's like i'm gonna double down my my take with another take is that i actually <laughs> feel like it might be the reverse of what you were saying about luxury products not flourishing but cheap products like being a good fit I would like to do some experimenting and check the data on this, but I would honestly wouldn't know. And we might cut this entire segment because I could be completely wrong, but I would almost feel that luxury, like products of, with luxury, or at least something that has a little bit more of an established brand connected to it on TikTok is probably fine. Yeah. If, yeah, if you recognize the brand, right. If, yeah, if you already recognize the brand for sure. But right? even like, something that's yeah, like that's... a, li- yeah. Like, but I feel like if, if you're a smaller brand, it might be a little bit tougher because there is so much cheap, crappy yeah. stuff on TikTok shop. It's like Wish or Temu yeah. or anything like that. And to, if you're a lower price product and you risk being lumped in with that, or if you're a product that doesn't have brand awareness and you risk being lumped into that, I feel like it can be damaging. Yeah, well, watch this space because I have a theory about TikTok that is, it's not it's not a part of the awareness phase. You should not be using TikTok to generate awareness. What Even though there is a huge reach, what I think is that you should be using TikTok in the consideration and conversion phases. Once people, you should remarket on TikTok, essentially. Once people have shown interest in your product and know your brand, and you can you can see, hey, they're going to recognize my brand because they've been to my website and they've I've sent them five emails, they've clicked on a couple, they've come back and seen five web pages, whatever that cohort, whatever those parameters are that you want to set, then I think that's when you're more likely to throw up a, a TikTok ad and get a conversion, right? That's to your point. I think the more that the brand is recognized by the people seeing the ad, the more likely it's going to be. But that, this goes back to our entire point of the of the customer journey, right? You need to test these things in order to figure out what what does the best at generating an audience for you, what does the best at getting them to your website, and then what does the best at getting them to buy it. That, you know, those are the main three kind of up to the conversion phase. Those are the things you're trying to do. And so, you know, it, it, it's all about testing. It's all about being flexible and understanding and, and controlling your budgets while you're doing it because it can get out of hand if you're not if you're not careful. Yeah. Awareness phases. And because if awareness phases aren't supposed to be efficient kind of by design, like you're never right. going to see an awareness campaign. If your awareness campaign is performing at a better ROAS than like your conversion or like post-purchase campaign, then you're doing something wrong and you need to fix something immediately. Yeah. But they're never going to be at that level of efficiency that you would see. And because of that, it's easy to kind of fall into the trap of, oh, well, it's not supposed to be efficient. 
So it's okay if it's like if we're spending a good amount of money because it'll it'll have a halo effect, which yeah. is all well and good. But if you're not consistently testing and you're not consistently monitoring and updating, you know, and checking your target on because A/B testing your creative and find that out, and you're just saying, oh, the halo effect is going to come. There's a very good chance that if you're not testing things, you're not working on, you're not going to hit it right in your first try, and you're not going to get that halo effect, and then you're down like what ten, fifty thousand dollars in ad spend for for nothing you end up with you know what could possibly be like that solo stove issue where you have where it didn't raise their sales at all because it may not have been the right message at the right time or there may not have been stuff under it so if you're not consistently monitoring and watching that space it's very very easy to lose a lot of money it is it's vegas it's also you know to the last thing i'll say about the solo stove thing it's also just a little bit of a weird decision to for an outdoor brand to tap Snoop Dogg to be a spokesperson because like the crossover of like Snoop Dogg fans with like people who do uh, outdoor fires or like outdoorsmen, you know what I mean? I don't know how big it is. I'm sure I have eight different Peloton classes. Okay, I don't disagree right, with right. you there, buddy. I got like, yeah. Listen, you've never done a Kendall tool rider and Alex Tucson ride. Okay. You're not, listen, I'm not a Peloton guy. You got me. You have no idea how many, yeah, you have no idea how many, uh, like there's, there's a decent amount of cross. I think there's more of a crossover right, than well, you realize. You know what? We could be like, here, here. I'll caveat the entire episode right now. We could be wrong about all this stuff. <laughs> I'm not, no, we're, we're not, am. we're not wrong about, we're not wrong about the, we're not wrong about like the, you know, the, the how important the awareness is, what you need to do, what you need to measure. Basically, if people don't know you exist, they can't buy your stuff. That's the main thing about 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 the awareness phase, right? Like, like that's just a simple truth. Without them knowing who you are, they can't buy, they can't check out, and you can't make money. So measuring awareness is not about conversions, but it's about the reach metrics. How many people see your ads? How many people interact with your brand? And then of those, how many of them move to the consideration phase, right? And then then you can start to tweak and, and really hone in and increase that percentage of your awareness audience that gets to the consideration phase. That's the success metric that you really want to want to focus on because that means you're targeting better, your creative's working, your brand is getting more eyeballs, and then you can start to grow that budget for that awareness phase once you've really honed in that connection to push them to the next part of the funnel, right? So in the last point, We've said it a few times already, test everything as much as you can and don't be afraid to test weird stuff, man. Get weird out there. Don't be afraid. Awesome. Well, we're going to wrap it right there, guys. We're available wherever you get your podcast. Visit finch.com forward slash podcast for more content. Engage with us on Twitter, Twixer, X, at Finch underscore PPC. We're on Facebook, Finch.ecommerce, and LinkedIn, of course. Go connect with me and Nevin. Tell us that we're wrong about everything we talked about today. Until next time, I'm Mike Mortis. And I'm Nevin Zavell. And we'll catch you next Friday. <laughs>